Hi, I'm Christian Brindle, and welcome to the Everything Medicare Podcast. What's up, everything, Medicare, Podcast Nation. This is Christian Brindle, wherever you are and however you might be listening. Thank you so much for joining me today, where every single week we discuss your Medicare, your Medicaid, your Social Security, and everything that has to do with that golden age called retirement. I have an awesome guest with me here today. I have Joe Tritola um, with Nation Care Insurance Services. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time. You're welcome, Christian, and that was a very energetic opening, and I, and I wish I had the opportunity to work with lots of people like you that are very energetic, so that really speaks a lot of volume. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I try. It's, it's always a challenge because we're trying to make one of the most boring subjects probably there is to talk about um, interesting, and <laughs> it's never- are, are, you, are, are you saying Medicare is as exciting as watching paint dry? Well, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, Joe, Joe, um, you know, Joe, you own Nation Care Insurance Services, right? Are you a partner? Wanted to make sure. It's I- actually my wife is the is the main owner. Uh, okay. We had structured it that way because I have a a, a local agency in Florida. Uh, so when we decided to expand on a nation scale, uh, we decided the way to do it was to start up a brand new agency. So she is, in fact, the owner. She's the agency principal. She does a lot of behind the scenes work. Uh, a lot of background stuff, a lot of um, uh, agency processing and so forth. And I'm more on the, the sales and the recruiting and the training side of the equation. So we work together as a team. It's good. Um, some days, most days, it's really good. Other days, we <laughs> look at each other. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely been an interesting journey. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, um, Nation Care Insurance Services is in 30 states. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But you're someone that's worked with a ton of people on Medicare over the years. You've probably seen every single situation there is to see. Um, you've worked with all different kinds of agents. And so I thought that we could kind of tackle this thing from a unique perspective, from you know a perspective that people can look at as far as what they should look for in a, in a good agent, what they should look for in a policy. And I just kind of thought, you know, Having you on would be a great opportunity to kind of talk about some things we can't talk about with everybody. So again, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, talk about your journey and your story first to kind of introduce the audience to you a little bit. How did you get into the business? How did you get into the industry? To talk about your history. I got into Medicare by accident. Um, my original profession was a financial planner, uh, and I worked with American Express in New York when American Express owned Ameriprise. Ameriprise is a spinoff of American Express. A lot of people don't know that. And I was a financial planner with them for 10 years. And my early 30s, I moved down to Florida, kind of reinvented myself, um, got right back into my profession, but as an independent. And when you're living in South Florida, you come across a large segment of people that are retired or looking to retire. So the questions of uh, Medicare um, would come up and um, I didn't really know how to answer. 
because it was a part of our industry I never paid any attention to whatsoever. So just by sure default and demand of trying to service this clientele, I had to go and learn Medicare. And I'll never forget, it was Thanksgiving weekend, uh, the year 2010. Um, I locked myself in a room for a couple of days. I did uh, certifications at the time, AHIP and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I came out of those four days. I couldn't remember a single thing of what I learned. It was completely foreign to me. And I relayed very heavily on the groups that I was working with at the time, the uplines, um, to kind of help me guide through. And, you know, as time would go on, I would learn a little bit more, learn a little bit more. And it just kind of fell that way. And I would say right around 2015, I just decided that the whole financial planning business was a thing of my past. And um, I didn't have any clients that really wanted to lose money. So then I just transitioned wholly into, you know, more of a fixed insurance role. And Medicare has always just been a big present part of that. Well, very- that's how it came about. Yeah, it was by accident. In fact, I, we joke around. My brother started working with me, and we we literally worked in a little 100 square foot office. Wow. And we would joke because the way we sat, our knees would touch underneath <laughs> the desk with the yeah. two computers, and you know that's kind of how the whole thing blossomed. And we've had our shares of ups and downs. You know, we've gone sure. through our our roller coasters, but uh, we definitely feel very happy about where we are right now. Well, I can, I can definitely sympathize with, you know, um, that kind of beginning. I, I started working with my, my dad when I was 20, I think mm-hmm. my dad had been in the Medicare business for 30 years, um, built a very successful agency locally here in Utah. And one of my, one of my really good friends came into the business with me. And the only room he had for us at the time was just this little office in the back. Um, no windows, no nothing, two desks back, back and, we, um, you know, we, we shared that office for probably our first year, if not year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. It was like, you know, they called it the bad agent room because it had no windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think our, our office was, it was an internal office. It didn't have windows either. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. well Joe, um, this is something I was really interested to kind of talk with you about. Um, you've worked with a ton of agents over the years. I um you guys, you know, have consulted for agencies, you know, just kind of seen a lot in from the agent side of things. For people out there that might be listening that are, you know, maybe on Medicare, or maybe they're about to get onto Medicare, when they're in a situation where, you know, they're getting, just getting it from all angles and from the agent side of things, and they're just not sure which agent they should pick or what they should be looking for in an agent, what are some characteristics that you feel that you've seen over the years that a good agent shows that a person on Medicare should look for when they're picking an agent? Well, first and foremost, um, their knowledge of the various moving parts of Medicare. Um, our industry is kind of interesting in a sense, and that is when um, people are starting to turn age 65. And, and I, I don't know if your viewership has that segment on it, but as people are starting to turn age 65, there's a lot of aggressive marketing that happens. Their phone starts to ring, their mm-hmm. mailbox starts to get filled. A, a clients report to us that agents, you know, show up at their door and yeah. ring their bell and so forth. And, you know, they start to get marketed to from all different, various different points. Their Facebook thing starts to fill up with ads. And one of the things that we we are aware of out there is there's a segment of, Uh, the agents that are marketing to this group that 
for whatever reason or another, they don't get involved on the prescription drug um, uh, uh, analysis. Um, partly because it has a lot to do with the marketing rules and uh, laws and things that are behind that. Mm -hmm. But they're basically leaving the client kind of held out there to dry and fend for themselves as they get closer to their 65th birthday because they have not taken the time to learn or understand and let alone even properly advise uh, someone's prescription drugs. And you know what we've learned is that in the market itself, and this is more speaking to the 65 plus community is we've learned that, you know, that's probably one of the biggest expenses that somebody has is their medications. You know, it's yeah. not difficult to be 70 years old, be put on a medicine for a TV commercial that you see on TV. You go to fill it at the pharmacy and it's $500. Yeah. And yeah. you go, you go to, you go to call your agent for help and they don't answer the phone. They're not there anymore. They don't know how to properly advise you. And it becomes a bit of a challenge. So I think that if you're a client and, and you're looking um, uh, to do business with an agent, um, one of the questions you have to ask them is, is how versed are they and how well do they understand uh, prescription drug coverage? It's very, very important. The second thing I think that's important when you're dealing with an agent, and this is, you know, we do a lot of business over the phone. So we're always addressing the local part of the uh, conversation. A lot of times a client will communicate to us that they want to work with somebody local. And I certainly understand that. And I absolutely appreciate that. But there's a certain nostalgia that comes into play when you're dealing with somebody local. But what clients don't really understand is it's actually, it's actually, um, it's actually a negative consequence to work with somebody uh, that's traveling from door to door in their car. And that is, is half their day or three quarters of their day, they're literally spent going from house to house. So when a situation arises, if they're an independent single agency office and that emergency arises and that person is traveling from home to home, they can't get to that problem as quickly as somebody like you or I could that are literally sitting in front of our computer all day long, ready to answer the phone at a moment's notice, ready to respond to our Apple Watches ready mm -hmm. to respond to our iPhones. So there's a big nostalgia in the marketplace where the client is just so hung up on wanting to do business with somebody that's in their local town. But the fact of the matter is that could have a negative consequence long-term because there's not an efficiency model built around that. And I'm not saying that that agent can't survive. Absolutely they can. Mm -hmm. But I feel that a client is more apt to work with somebody that is you know, remote because they have access to the technology and they can uh, you know, resolve the matter very quickly. Second point to that would be how we all solve our problems. We all know that as soon as we hang the phone up with the client with the problem, the very next thing we're gonna do is pick up the phone to solve it. And that's whether we're sitting a thousand miles away from them or whether we're sitting five feet away from them at their kitchen table, we're going to solve the problem identically the same way. We're gonna hear what it is, we're going to try to resolve it the best way we can. And if not, we're going to pick the phone up and call the insurance company to fix the problem. So it really shouldn't matter really where we sit because we're all going to solve the problem the same way. It's just a matter of who's going to be able to resolve it in a most efficient and, and expedited way. And the remote agent will always have that edge versus um, a face-to-face -face field agent. Um, so loc location is a big deal. You know, Location is a major deal. 
And then the final part is, is, you know, what's in that agent's tool bag. So, you know, you have the three different models out there, the captive, the career, and the independent. Um, the captive model, although it's not a negative model, I come from a captive environment where we had one life insurance company, we had one mutual fund company. Uh, it just was the way of the world. But nowadays, you know, the, the agent that sells the one single product is never going to tell you what's going on with the other product. They're never going to tell you if, if your doctor leaves the network, they're never going to tell you what your alternative option is going to be because they can't. It's just not in their arsenal. So I feel that the client will be better served by working with the career agent or the independent agent, because at the very least, they'll at least have some options, assuming their current option doesn't pan out for them in the years to come. So those are the, be the three things I would look for. I would look for um, medication experience. That's first and foremost. Uh, second, I would look for would be lo location. And then thirdly, I would look for is, is their expansion of products and knowledge uh, within their arsenal. I agree with all of that a lot. I mean, I think that, you know, people get so hung up on, you know, well, I like to know you're around the block if I ever would need you. And then what it turns out to be is they never actually need to go to that person's physical office. Every time they have an issue, it's solved by phone, by telephone. So I, I agree with you completely on that. And I think, you know, I think more and more people are starting to kind of realize that that's not as important as this as they thought it was maybe 15 years ago, you know, or 20 mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, Joe, let's, let's transition into this about, about the coverage side of things for people on Medicare. Um, I'm sure that, you know, your, your, your guys' organization has seen a number of people that have come to you that maybe weren't covered properly right from the get-go when they aged in, when they turned 65. Mm -hmm. um, is there something in particular that comes to mind um, on a, a, an area that people see, seem to leave themselves most exposed? Absolutely. And we see it on the managed care side of the equation. Um, on the managed care side, when people select the all-in-one HMOs and PPOs, which are wonderful plans, they serve a purpose, there's a community for them, they do wonders. But we see exposure in those plans, primarily in the hospitalization category mm -hmm. and the cancer chemotherapy category. And what we're seeing now or what we're finding is, you know, as time goes on, those exposure holes are becoming more and more. The carriers are opening up the, the cost sharing a little bit more because it helps out with the actuarial plan and it keeps the premiums really low or it continues to keep the premiums at zero if you're in a market where you have a zero premium plan. So what we've noticed in the last maybe two years is the demand for ancillary products have been very great and vast for the clients because they're afraid, God forbid, if something were to happen to them and they were you know, admitted to the hospital or if they were diagnosed with cancer, they don't want to be stuck with, you know, a potentially two or three, or in some cases, a $7,000 bill. But right. more importantly, they don't, they don't have those kinds of funds. So we've seen a huge surge in ancillary products and the market has responded as well. Um, some insurance companies have responded by reducing and lowering their um, ancillary um, uh, product premiums. I know Mutual of Omaha was one that went around the country and cut their cancer insurance premiums by 20%, making them you know, ultra competitive and easily affordable by most. 
So I've noticed those two areas. Um, on the final expense, uh, on, the, on the Medicare supplement side, um, what, I have, what I have seen over the past year is I have seen a lot of agents using the fear tactic of um, the Plan F going away as a right. reason to buy the Plan F, right? I've seen that. And what, I, at least I haven't seen this happen, maybe you have, but when you look at the rate increase histories of most insurance companies of Plan Fs versus Plan Gs, I have almost always seen the rate increase history greater on an F plan than with a G plan in the same insurance company. Right. And you may, you may see a, a G rate go up 5% historically, but you see the F rate going up 8% historically. So I had questioned a lot of the ethics last year, of, especially of the marketing of why agents would use that as a scare tactic in order to entice their clients to, to pick out a certain type of plan when the data suggested otherwise. Yes, we all knew the plan F was going away. Everybody knew this. We knew for years, but we also had the data that suggested that even though this plan was being discontinued, the client wasn't in a beneficial situation to maintain it. You know, so that was the other part of it. And I think that what you're going to see in the next coming years is a lot of clients that were kind of led down that path are starting, are going to start to get these excessive rate increases mm -hmm. and they're going to scratch their head and say, you know what, maybe I need to shop this out. And you're going to see kind of a surge of clients, you know, realigning themselves if they can medically on the G plan or uh, even more economically the N plan. So I think that you'll see uh, in the coming, in the coming years, more so probably more next year than anything, because that's when they get all their rate increases. Mm -hmm. So those are the two things that I see in the marketplace. And then the third thing that we noticed is that um, the clients are now asking more and more about long-term care and mm -hmm. home health care. You know, it's more of a thing now because what's interesting about the baby boomers right now is they're referring the baby boomers as the sandwich generation. And that's where they're in the middle. They're some often taking care of a parent. An, a an aging elderly parent, and they still have children, younger children that still require some attention, whether they're living at home, whether they need some help getting their first house, you know, maybe the child just had a, a child of their own, they need some financial assistance and so forth, but they find themselves still taking care of their children, and they find themselves now taking care of their, their parents or their mm -hmm. one parent, and they're seeing what it's costing. Like they're, they're visually seeing what it's like. Yeah, 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 it's just out of this world. It's just insane. So now they're coming around and they're asking questions like, how much does long-term care cost? Can I get it? What about if I want to be taking care of the home? What if I can't afford a long-term care policy? What else can I do? Is there any asset protection? And we're getting a lot of those conversations. Um, and I can tell you, we didn't have a lot of them a few years ago. So it's definitely a lot more awareness. Yeah, I mean we've seen we've seen a very very similar um, kind of trend the last year year and a half or so with us as well. I mean, I mean, and and you know, there's always agents out there that are going to tell people that are even on Plan F. You know, you're going to lose the Plan F starting in 2020 and those kind of things. We saw a lot of that. We saw mm -hmm. we saw, but we definitely did see the you know a lot of people calling us that were you know on Plan Gs or Plan Ns or things like that that. We're afraid they might not be able to get the F. And what I would always tell them is, you know, you'll still be able to get the F, 
because you were eligible for Medicare before the 2020 deadline. But even if, let's say, for example, you couldn't get it, I wouldn't recommend it even if that was the truth because mm-hmm. the long-term stability of the rates, you know, and I, I agree with you completely. The rate increases are what people don't take into consideration on the long-term aspect of it. I just, again, it's just, I, we don't work in every market, so I can't speak, you know, sure. as a blanket thing. Yeah. And I, and I, we don't work with every insurance company, so I can't speak with what one insurance company does that we don't subscribe to. But I have yet to see a scenario where the rate increases for the F uh, historically were at a lower percentage than the G. It was always the other way right. around. Right. So I would scratch my head and say, like, how could we, you know, how can an agent, you know, not so much look the client in the eye, but, you know, when you're telling the client, hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to give you unbiased advice and my advice is going to be objective and it's going to be what I believe is going to be in your best interest, not mine. And then mm-hmm. you turn around and say, buy the F because it's going away. When yeah. You know in the back of your mind, right? When you know in the back of your mind, like it costs more, it's going to go up more, um, more sick people are on it and so forth. It just, I don't know. It just never sit well with me. But who knows yeah. what's going to happen in a few years? Like this is all speculation. Yeah, yeah of but, course. Yeah. You know, for all we know, the G could be the, could be the, uh, the new F. No one knows. Yeah. We're not, I'm not an actuarial. So I wouldn't right. know. Right. Um, and I think, I think the next, couple of years will be very telling this kind of what direction we go in and kind of what direction the industry goes in i think um let's speaking about agents again let's transition back into an agent question Mm -hmm. uh, having a good agent opposed to a bad agent for someone on medicare how much different can a good agent make in someone's life oh it can make the world a difference you know, it can save the client a tremendous amount of money, years and years and years and years. Um, there's the emotional um, feeling of knowing that that area of your life is being taken care of because mm-hmm. you you have determined that you've selected the right professional. So you can kind of mentally close that chapter down, knowing that it's being handled well in the same fashion that if you feel you have a good accountant and you know that you're not going to be overpaying on your income taxes, you know, you can kind of walk that path of confidence. Um, and then, um, you know, whether or not that agent is a nurturing based agent. And, you know, if you feel that that person has done wonders for you, you're going to want to go out and refer him or her to other people that are in similar situations like yourself. Um, that's a huge, huge benefit. Um, I think that clients that are led down the path by a bad agent, and I like to believe, this is what I like to believe. Let me put this asterisk out there. Mm -hmm. I don't truly believe in this world that there's a whole lot of people that wake up in the morning in our industry and say, who today am I going to screw over? Like, I don't believe that happens. I I purposely don't believe that because I don't want to think like that. I like the way my mind my mind is a very positive, optimistic way of thinking. But I do firmly believe that agents do wake up in the morning and there is a level of incompetency that they have, whether they recognize it or they don't recognize it, or maybe they're just not made any aware of that, that incompetency. And then they go out and they you know, bring clients in. And just because of their lack of training, their lack of understanding, and their lack of knowledge of the industry, they could potentially put the client in a worse situation than they're in currently. 
That right. I do believe happens. And it's, it's really hard to detect that really, especially if you have somebody that's, you know, very friendly and kind and courteous. But, you know, the main thing is, is, is going to be the drugs. You know, if that person can't yes. help you with prescription drug plans, that's usually a sign, you know, because, you know, it really doesn't take a whole lot of time and effort to certify, you know, it's a, it's a you know, couple of day commitment to your career and um, a couple of more hours with the carriers to be, you know, given the privilege to represent them for their prescription drug plans. And then the technology exists where you can do the analytics. It's all there available to us. So for an agent not to take the time to do that, you know, to me, that would say that they're probably not the one that I would want to handle all my affairs with. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, I, I, I think yeah. I couldn't put that better myself. You know, I think that's a very, very good way to look at it. And, you know, we don't want to think that there's a whole bunch of people running around there that, you know, they're twiddling their their mustache if you will and everything you know right. <laughs> up, up to something you know I, I i i don't i don't want to believe that myself and you know i don't think there's a whole lot of those out there i think there are some but i think I'm a, I, I agree with you completely i think a majority of it is just lack of education you know with the turnover rate i think having a lot to do with it in the industry right and, w- and what we tell clients usually is that um our agency doesn't contract with every prescription drug plan it's Mm-hmm. It's impossible to do that. We have most of the major ones, but certainly not every single one. But we let them know that if you're on, you know, particular set of drugs, primarily the name brands, and one of the other guys tends to be more beneficial to you, we're going to be the ones to tell you. We're going to grab your hand. We're going to walk you across the street. We're going to introduce you to the other guy, you know, the other insurance company, Mm -hmm. and we're going to help you to the best of our ability, getting you enrolled with them because they're the ones that are going to give you the better deal. And we're Mm -hmm. going to be the ones to tell you that, but we'll act as the liaison. Should any type of issues arise, you can come to us as your advocate and we'll be able to help mediate the situation. We may not be able to physically do the labor to solve it, but Mm -hmm. we will absolutely be able to mediate the situation. And it's rare that a situation arises where the client's drugs are better suited in a different plan. We usually see it with like the Humira patients and whatnot. Right. Plan A is better than plan B. Uh, But so far that logic has worked out well because that allows, I could speak for myself, but that allows me to lay my head on my pillow at the end of the night, knowing that in my heart of hearts, I have acted to the best of my ability in the best interest of that client, even if that action did not result in a dollar of revenue for me or my comp or a company. So that's how I, my mind works. And it's just a great way to think. And a client should be able to see that, you know, the other thing I'll put out there too, that we do very well is we let the client know how we're compensated. And I think it's really important for um, our audience, our clientele's, to know exactly how we're compensated. We are paid every single month, they make a premium payment or mm-hmm. they remain in a particular plan. Every single month, if they're in that plan or they make that premium payment, we get some portion of that, some right. more than others, but we get some portion of that and it's typically for the life of the policy or at least a minimum of 10 years. Like it's a long time we get paid. So we try to communicate to the client right off the bat, this is how we get paid, this is how we get compensated, whether you choose plan A or plan B or C or D, whichever one you choose it from, 
they will compensate us for the most part all the same way. So whether we pick one or the other is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. We just want you to do the business with us because that's how we get paid. And we do that. There's an incentive for working because we have to get it right. And if we don't get it right the first time, we got to be there to help it get it right the second time. And if we're not there to help you, if we don't get it right the first time, the business is going else. So there's a, a, a financial incentive for us to stay around year after year after year to make sure you remain happy. And one thing we learned, Christian, is that, and you could speak to this as well, is that happy people keep their policies. Yes. Upset people yeah. don't, you know? So as long as we keep the clients happy, as long as we can respond to their requests, as long as we can help them shop for coverage, if things don't go as planned, they will continuously be happy and they'll keep the business with us. And so far that logic has worked. You know, that yeah. model has worked. I, and I think it's, I think it's a model that a lot of agents should, should carry. You know, I remember when I got started in the business, my dad would always tell me that we'd rather have one happy client than 50 unhappy clients. Um, mm-hmm. Because the 50 unhappy clients won't be here in a year. Whereas the one happy client will be here in a year. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of all I've, that's really stuck with me, you know, as I've kind of gone throughout my career, we've, we've, and I think it's really important for clients to pick an agency that's going to, you know, provide that service that you, that you talk about, you know, that's going to be there for them. That's going to be willing to kind of lend a hand and that's going to be available with them every step of the way. Um, mm-hmm. I it completely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think uh, transparency is key. Yes. You know, I never understood why, um, agents and advisors were always nervous to share with clients like how they're compensated yeah Um, yeah you know we do it all the time oh it's uh i was trained that way when when we when i first started in finance um our presentation um was a face-to-face presentation but um a portion of it about five minutes went over exactly how we're compensated like Mm -hmm. this is how we get paid you know are you comfortable with our with our fee structure are you comfortable with how we're getting paid like complete transparency. Yeah, no surprises. That's the way we like it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Should never be afraid to tell someone how you're paid. Agreed, agreed. Um, Joe, let me shift gears over to this. And this mm-hmm. is a question I've asked every single person that's come on the podcast. And we've got a multitude of different answers for a multitude of different reasons. Um, and I know it's not an easy question to answer. So it's kind of a question that kind of puts you on the hot seat a little bit. But um, if, and obviously no situation is the same. Everybody has different needs and preferences and so on and so forth. But if you had to lean more towards either Medicare Advantage on one side or Medicare Supplement on the other side as a whole, which do you typically lean towards and why? Of course, there's no right answer for everybody. So take it with a grain of salt. But it's a question that I, I think is kind of a fun question. We've asked everybody that's come on. It's a simple answer. It all boils down to money. If mm-hmm. you're in a position in your life where you can um, honestly afford approximately $150 a month additional above what Medicare will take out of your check. So let's call it $300 total. Mm -hmm. If you can truly afford $300 and your quality of life is not impacted, you're not eating, you know, uh, tuna fish every single day. You're not wondering whether or not you can, you know, take your grandkids out for lunch. Like, you can live your life to the best of your ability because that $300 is not weighing your life down, then you will be far more served on a Medicare supplement policy long-term 
because it's an all access pass to all 50 US states to every single provider or facility that takes original Medicare. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, a membership card for anywhere, anytime, pretty much anything without any hesitation or hassle. And you also have to be in a position where you can absorb those rate increases as time goes on. If you're starting at $110 on a Medicare supplement plan today, you know, a decade from now, you're going to be double. I mean, that's just, you have right. to be prepared for that. It's just going to be two X, two and a half X. If you are the kind of individual that, um, you know, truly feels that a hundred to $150 a month might be a bit of a struggle. Um, you don't have a, a very long history of uh, health concerns, then you would be better served on a managed care plan, um, either an HMO or a PPL. So to me, it really yeah. falls down to money. It's all about money. Yeah, I, I, I think that's very, very true. And so, you know, simply put that I think people overcomplicate that question. You know, and I think it doesn't need to be a, such a complicated answer. I think that really does what, you know, very well articulate kind of what it comes down to. Um, it's a money thing because you could always go from a Medicare supplement policy over to a Medicare Advantage plan. Right. It's not, you can't go the other way around. Right, right. You know, you start off in a Medicare Advantage plan and you get dealt a, a bad hand of health and now you're seeing a dozen specialists and, you know, testing and surgeries you're, you're there. That's, that's the right. spot that you have to stay in. Um, if you go Medicare supplement and you know, something happens and you suffer. Well, there's two kinds of health problems. There's a health event and then there's a chronic. Um, a lot of people may only suffer a health event. So a health event, the best one we can say is a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So you, you could be in a supplement plan. You have a health event that health event wakes you up and all of a sudden you decide that day you're going to change your lifestyle. You're not smoking anymore. You're eating healthy. You lose your weight. You're exercising and you nurse yourself back to health. You could, you could be better served on a Medicare Advantage plan because you won't have those premiums. Whereas if you're chronic and you're dealing and you're managing ongoing conditions, the co-payments that you pay in a Medicare Advantage plan can add up very quickly. Certainly, okay. yeah. Year after year after year, you may be better served on the Medicare supplement side. But I, I as an individual, depending on the person's resources, I don't want to say I nudge them, but I'll always paint the picture of the Medicare supplement. Um, if the they're importance. in a position where they can put, yeah, the importance of doing that. But in the end, it's up to them to decide. Yeah, well, I love it. I love it. I think it's really good. And um, for what it's worth, I think every single person that's come on and done an interview and had a conversation with me, when I've asked that question, everybody's more lean towards Medicare supplement, except for one person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've interviewed a lot, quite a few people now. Okay. Uh, you're not alone. And then I did an episode where I did it. I, I asked myself the question and I did a whole episode where I kind of explained my thoughts on it. And I went Medicare supplement too. If I said, I said, if all things were equal, if the money right. situation wasn't an issue, Medicare supplements usually going to be the best way to go. But, um, but of course you're right. It's always, it's all based on money. And I, I love that answer. I think it's really good. Um, one less, unless you're living it, unless you're living in a market like, um, Miami or oh, Los yes. Angeles yeah. or Las Vegas or New York city. If you're in a highly dense uh, market where your maximum out of pocket on a Medicare advantage plan is $999. Yeah. Like you would be, nothing. Yeah, you'd yeah. be foolish to buy a, uh, $300 a month Medicare supplement policy. 
Right. You know, yeah. at that point, the, 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 the money out will flip around where the Medicare Advantage plan is way more economically sensible. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Joe, I got one last question for you and then we wrap this up. Um, and this is a, this is a tough one to answer. So take it, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Obviously nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen, but if you had to guess, you know, from your experience, you know, about a decade in the industry, um, where would you say Medicare is going in the next 10 years as we enter into this new decade in the 2020s? Where do you see it going? There's a lot of talks in politics. I'll, I don't want to get political about it or anything, but if you had to take a guess, where do you see Medicare going? I think the Medicare system is going to be um, uh, identically the same. It's going to be the same path that we've seen in the last 10 years. And I think you're going to see more and more people as they're aging in you're going to see a more of a market share in the managed care platform. There's just too much money at stake for, for that not to grow, regardless of who's in office. It's, at the end of the day, both bipartisan agree that if we can save money to the system, it's better. But I think what you'll see on the beneficiary side is you'll see a little bit more cost sharing come their way, but nothing crazy, you know, $10 a year for their Part B premium, you know, $15 a year for their Part B um, deductible going up, you know, 10 more dollars on the party deductible. There'll be small increment increases um, because it's based upon, you know, number of people in the plan and, and, and bills being paid out. But I definitely see the trend as the trend has been going the last 10 years. I definitely see the trend of more of a market share for managed care. And I'm noticing that Medicare itself is, is promoting it. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much in like an advertising, you know, commercial type of way, but um, it's better for them if they can pay a, a flat dollar amount out to a health insurance company per membership, as opposed to, you know, who knows what's going to happen that year. Um, it's a much better way for them to cost control. Now, what I do not believe will happen is I do not believe whoever goes into office next year, I do not believe that they're going to take money away from Medicare like that. I don't right. believe whatsoever because Medicare's funded. Um, it's not, it's a different type of funding than, you know, our department of defenses and so forth. But, um, I think that's just all white noise and that's fear tactics, but I definitely see cost sharing going up, uh, incrementally, no different than it did the last 10 years, but bigger membership on the managed care platform. I agree. I agree. I, I just, it, it, I, I don't see it fading into the sunset, if you will, you know, like, no way. It's I, I just, million you know, people. <laughs> it's I mean, what, five. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's, it. We all paid into it. Responsibility there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, what would they do if they ended Medicare? They'd have to give us all our money back from. Yeah. yeah I years. mean, I, my first, I was years. 15 with my first job. I'm 44. So you, you owe me 30 years of, of contributions. Yeah. 1.65%. Yeah. And we self-employed, we pay both sides. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're going to owe me a big check. Yeah. <laughs> Checks <laughs> I in the mail. Reti- retire with my Medicare money because unlike <laughs> Social Security, uh, Medicare's tax is all the way to the end. So Bill Gates right. pays 1.65 to the end. Yes. You know, not, not capped at whatever the Social Security earnings capped are. So, yeah, we'd be owed a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. <laughs> um, Joe, talk about nation care insurance services a little bit and if if there's anybody that's watching this whether it be a client or whether it be an agent how can they get in touch with you guys if they wanted to maybe you know talk about your you know 
getting a policy with you guys, or maybe they might want to work with you guys on the agent side of things. How can people get in touch with you? What states can you work with people in? Absolutely. So I, I don't have the state list, but I would tell all the people that are listening, if you're in Florida, Texas, Utah, Idaho, South Carolina, Colorado, Oregon, I'll say them again, Florida, Texas, Utah, Idaho, South Carolina, Colorado, Oregon, you're going to want to call this guy right there. Okay. Thank Christian. you. Uh, Thank you, so sir. Those are, this, this is his show. He's doing very well. Um, our resident state happens to be Florida, but um, you want to give him a call. Any other states, you can get in touch with us one of two ways. Um, you can call me directly. Um, I will give you my, my mobile number. It's uh, 914-489-9073. You can send a text. Um, I use it for business purposes. Um, or you can send us an email. Uh, you can send it to me directly uh, at joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H, at nationcareservices.com. And I will make sure that your request gets into the hands of one of our comparable and um, very uh, confident agents. Uh, ethical. We only work with ethical people. If I can't handle it myself, I will make sure that I oversee um, the process uh, as I sign off on most of the stuff in our agency. And um, if you're an agent listening to this podcast and um, you want to know how to bring your career to the next level, we work very closely with agents and agencies around the country and mainly in the Medicare space. And we basically teach them how to be better agents, you know, how to better properly serve their clients with a big focus on understanding their medications. Well, great. I love it. Um, anybody that's listening that just really, you know, had something resonate with them that Joe said, and, you know, if you enjoyed his expertise and his insight on this interview, um, I encourage you to reach out to him. I encourage you to give him a call. Um, He's someone that knows the business. He's got the experience. He's got the know-how and um, he can help you. So I encourage you reach out to this guy. He knows his stuff. Um, Joe, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy person um, and I really, really appreciate you coming on. All right. Thank you so much. And listen, reach out to me, but reach out to this guy too. So it's not just me. You, you're, uh, you're highly respected in our space as well. Thank I appreciate you, it, Kristen. Thank, thank you. you, Joe. Well, everybody, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for watching wherever you listened to this from. Don't forget to tune into our episode coming up this coming Saturday, and I will talk with you then. Take care. All right. Take care.